Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Bill Fox. He's a vice president of Vertical Strategy Group, global chief strategy officer of healthcare and life sciences of Mark Logic. Bill is doing some fantastic work for the company, his focus being healthcare and life sciences, but in charge of the broader strategy. He's a former attorney, consultant, and technology executive with 30 years of experience and is a nationally recognized thought leader in analytics big data, program integrity, and data security and privacy. He has held leadership positions at Change Healthcare, Booz Allen Hamilton, and LexisNexis. He's a former deputy chief of economic and cybercrime at the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, special assistant United States attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and a law firm partner. Bill is a graduate of Temple University and uh, a graduate school and the Villanova School of Law. We're going to be diving into some mind shifts in technology. And if you're a leader in healthcare, you're going to want to stick around. So, Bill, uh, such a privilege to, to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Saul. So, as we had a great uh, sort of pre recording idea sharing, Bill, and one of the things that I like to start with with any of the, of the guests on the podcast is what inspires your work in healthcare? So, you know, I think what really got me into healthcare is when I was in private practice in law, I did a lot of work for insurance companies around fraudulent insurance claims. And it really started to point me toward the amount of waste that there was in the system, particularly then because by fraud. And then when I became a prosecutor, I got deeper into that work. And what became apparent was it was so crucial uh, as opposed to sort of some of the other kinds of crimes that I was prosecuting, that we make sure that every penny in healthcare is spent on actually treating people that desperately need that care. So I became sort of passionate about it when I was at the district attorney's office and the U.S. attorney's office. And then when Part D passed um, and program integrity and healthcare fraud became a, a really big issue, um, I got recruited out of the district attorney's office in the healthcare and kind of never looked back. And then my career took some turns more toward technology, but I've kept that sort of focus on healthcare and life sciences and how we can make sure that technology drives the best outcomes and making sure that all the funds that are coming from Medicare and Medicaid make it to the right people. Hmm. I think that's a very interesting career path that you've had, Bill, and uh, what a great mission because medical waste is, is such a big problem. I mean, billions and billions of dollars each year. Love that you're so hyper-focused on making sure that those funds are, are properly distributed. And, and so definitely, I'm, I'm going to be interested in hearing more about how you guys are doing that. But what, what would you say is a thing that in the past has held you back that you conquered that's made you an even better leader today? So, you know, and we'll talk about this in, in some other aspects during the podcast as well, but I think it was really understanding technology. So, you know, my career has spanned the last 30 years, and I know that a lot of people who are my age are a little technology shy. 
and being able to really get that technology understanding, understanding how to use data, how to do analytics on data, how to integrate data, how to develop solutions and keep and that sort of constant progression of the abilities of new technology has really allowed me to work across the entire enterprise, both with customers and internally, to be able to combine what the business people or in healthcare, you know, what the chief medical officer wants to do and be able to integrate it with the understanding of what's actually possible with technology and work with the CIO, the CTO, our enterprise architects and say, you know, how can we actually make this vision that the organization has come together? And Bill, I think it's a great call out, right? Because a lot of leaders, including the ones listening right now are like, well, I only have so much bandwidth, you know, and then there's only so much I could do. What are your thoughts on that? Um, on that response as it relates to technology? Yeah, I, I think at this point, it's an irresponsible response. It's a, it really can't be justified. I mean, if you just look around the world at the platform economy, at mm. companies like Amazon and Facebook and Google and, you know, and Netflix, you know, entire industries are being shifted. You know, you always see indexed a picture of the blockbuster that's closed or, you know, you can look at charts of what's happened to the retail industry since Amazon came on. So, so to sort of say, you know, hey, I know about healthcare, I'm an MD, I have this degree, and, and kind of ignore the other stuff based on that, that's going to be limiting to both the person and what they can do and to their organization. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good call out. And, you know, as you, as you think about these things, you're running your business, you're doing your day to day. Think about what you could do to be a little bit more insightful. What can you do to learn? And so curious what you would offer as a suggestion, right? For somebody that the norm is, hey, send it to IT. How do you start to become more more informed and involved? Yeah, I think it really is incumbent on the leader to do that whatever level of the company you're leading in, whether you're you know, leading a team or you have half the organization or all of IT or uh, you're the chief medical officer. I mean, it, it's a sort of a mind shift on your part to start thinking, I need to have cadence calls and be connecting on a regular basis and be tracking across the enterprise, not just with my team. I guess there becomes a level those amount of calls can get daunting. And I, you know, mm. I think I might have reached that with the number of calls I'm doing a week. But just to be able to check in on a monthly basis for 30 minutes mm-hmm. with the technology team that's responsible for driving some important corporate vision or corporate message, it's probably worth the extra time. And it makes the time with your team and your job more efficient because you have that information. You know, and I think that's such a simple thing to do. And it would be interesting to see some of the insights that would come from that. And do you have any stories around that, Bill, around where, you know, you offered this suggestion 30 minutes once a week with your tech team, no matter where you are in the organization and, and sort of an after story of what happened? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, th- this is something that I've been doing for a while. And what I was surprised when I, you know, first started doing this 
probably 10 years ago, getting mm-hmm. more involved on the technical side was how, first of all, how open uh, most technologists are to this. Mm-hmm. So they get tasked with something like, okay, we want you to build a tool that'll do a better job of screening providers that are coming into Medicaid, actually participating in the exercise and helping them figure out the scoring and what you know 600 data points would be valuable to put into that and how to score those and how to best build the UI so that it's uh, you know useful for the team that needs to do this screening as it comes in. You know, starting to participate uh, while you know being very conscious of the limitations of my own technical knowledge, uh, you know, sort of really changed that dynamic. And I think that when the tech people kind of understand that they can go to you and that you're open to that and you open up that channel, you know, that whole sort of the business does one thing and the technology people do another thing starts to break down. And I think it gets much more efficient. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a great example of, of what we should be doing and something that I'm going to take into consideration with with my business. So I love that you made that suggestion. Bill, who would you say is is a leader that that's been a great guide for you and and what advice did they give you that's so great yeah you know i've had the the opportunity to work with a number of great leaders in my time but i I, you know i had a boss at the uh at way back at the district attorney's office who was really the first person to start bridging this for me like the law side and the technology side. We, I believe, in Philadelphia were the first cybercrime unit in a district attorney's office in the country. And in order to really effectively do cybercrime prosecution, you have to understand quite a bit about mm-hmm. the internet and computers and phishing and cyber. Uh, and at the time, I had Patriot Act signing ability. So, you know, we understood how IP addresses worked and how you pierce corporate veils, et cetera. So that was the first person that I met who was leader, you know, lawyer by trade mm-hmm. and had taken on, I'm going to understand technology to the point where I can actually develop and do this job. And uh, I know that now he is a consultant and he does, you know, cybercrime consulting and is probably more of a technologist than a lawyer. So that really opened up in my mind that, oh, you know, it's not just about going to court and being good at the lawyer skills. You you constantly have to be sort of expanding your understanding. You know, and and what I love about that, Bill, is that as a leader, you know, you, you want to do everything you can to to be better every day and and having some sort of specialty focus. And, and in today's world, technology is a great focus to build yourself as a leader. It sort of keeps you fresh too, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, learning about this stuff and, and you know, what's been really interesting is I've taken on the new job, you know, leading the vertical strategy across Mark Logic, And I have these great vertical leaders who all have a tremendous amount of experience in their particular fields, financial services and insurance and manufacturing and media, you know, to take in that information from them and to understand the connections between those industries um, and how these industries intersect is what makes the job fun. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And I'll tell you what, one of the biggest things that the listeners find helpful on the podcast is 
figuring out what other people are doing, you know, what's working, what's not. And, and I feel like this is a good opportunity for, for me to ask you about Mark Logic and what would you say is the core focus of what you guys do and, and what, what service do you provide that's so different? So what we do across all industries is the ability to tackle the data integration problem that's preventing your company from moving forward. So all really large industries, whether you look at healthcare or big pharmas or big banks or huge insurance companies, they're in essence sitting on 30 years worth of legacy technology. You know, through no fault of their own, this is Mm -hmm. built up over the last 30 years. They've made a lot of investments. And now suddenly, although it might not be that sudden, but if especially if you've been sitting back sort of watching, you're in this Amazon, Netflix, Google world where your customers, your consumers, whether they're patients or insureds, they're expecting that experience. Yes. They're expecting that experience online. They're expecting that experience when they're in your office. And suddenly it's like, well, it's not going to be okay now for us to have claims data over here and financial data over here and insurance information over here and interactions that we've had over the call center with them over here. I need all that together right now Mm -hmm. in order to implement what I need to do. And our technology allows that to happen very quickly and very securely. So across industries, those are the projects that we're generally getting involved in, whether they're customer-facing or internal or have to do with assets or supply chain or research and development, we're breaking down these barriers that have built up over 30 years and all these silos so that all that data can be seen through one pane of glass and, and advanced analytics and curating for AI and using machine learning and taking advantage of all these things now to pull you into this next generation ecosystem. Wow. Fascinating work. So, uh, yeah. And you said like it it happens all of a sudden and yeah, if you haven't been focused on, on the changes and, and been very in tune with how the systems have evolved, then it could seem like all of a sudden, right? It does seem like all of a sudden for many of us. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, in defense of healthcare, it is unique. You know, a lot of people that aren't in healthcare will say, oh, you know, it's the same in our industry. But you know, in healthcare, you in the end, you always come down to that one-to-one patient interaction and you're, you know, treating sick people and saving lives. So it is kind of like changing the engine in the airplane while it's flying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little more difficult to implement these things. The focus on outcomes, you know, really sort of changes the formula. And it is very hard to step back and do these things, but it's necessary. So yeah, I think that it's sneaking up on healthcare. I think that happens a little bit because the day-to-day is, is so incredibly intense. So what do you think, Bill, is, is something that holds people back from getting this done? I, I'll use healthcare.gov as an example because sure. uh, both the front end of healthcare.gov where you buy the insurance mm-hmm. and the back end of healthcare.gov that was called called an impossible data problem mm-hmm. by the people at CMS because you're talking about integrating data from every public agency, every federal agency, all the state exchanges, the IRS to see, okay, who is this on the phone and what's their status and what are they eligible for? And now they're going to go do a transaction, a secure transaction. 
if you don't understand what's possible with technology, something like healthcare.gov is in, in essence impossible. And that is what happened at CMS. They were, the president announced it and they were trying to build it for a couple of years and they were getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then an informed CTO named Henry Chow sent out a note saying, hey, you know what? We're going to build this on this Mark Logic technology, which at the time we were about a 250-person company. And you can imagine the, the pushback he got. But what he understood was that given the requirements being unknown, the volume and velocity of the data being unknown, and the fact that the president had announced a go-live date on television, so it was happening on that day, mm-hmm. which makes the project very different than your normal corporate project where you can say, hey, you know what? We're going to hold this back 90 days and do some more testing. Can't do that when they announce it on TV. Right. He understood that what you needed was this extremely resilient data platform that could take in data as is from any format whatsoever, harmonize it, secure it. And that when we build off that, all the unknowns that are for sure going to happen as the system comes online and we start using it, none of them will be game, you know, deal changers, game breakers. We'll be able to react very quickly. And, you know, if you think about after the first few months where there were some problems with various other parts of the system that weren't ours, you don't hear anything about that other than political. Right. So 10 million people have signed up for healthcare on that system pretty much without a glitch for a long, long, long time. But it almost didn't happen like that because it took one strong challenger, one informed person within the organization to say, I hear the legacy reservations and the legacy complaints and people clinging on to technology that they've been using for the last 10 years. I hear that, but this is the way, this is the right way to do this. So I think that challenge is what holds a lot of organizations back. I think it's a, a so true and a great example. And I actually didn't know, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners didn't know that you guys were a critical part of that website. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it were the background, and uh, it's not a secret. I did a, a press conference with CMS at Hims the year before last about it. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's certainly not something you know we love talking about it. But it's the ACA, it's healthcare.gov, it's their thing, and we try to stay in the background and you know just keep the thing up and running and not have outages. <laughs> and you know, during the the sign-on period, which mm-hmm. gets extremely intense. We're on the ground with them there 24-7, and we just want to make it run. And that has really changed healthcare in the US, whichever way you feel about it politically. It has been a major shift in the in healthcare in the United States. And you know, we're thrilled to be a part of that and enable it. So yeah, so we don't talk about it a lot. We talk about a lot with customers and, and uh, you know conversations mm-hmm. we're having, but that's CMS's thing. And, and we're now getting involved in a lot of other stuff at CMS. Yeah. And I get that. It makes sense, but very, very cool to know that you guys were part of that. And again, big congratulations on getting it working. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, you know, it, it's a huge challenge, but what Henry thought was correct, which is, you know, this is the right platform for it. And, and you know, we, we do these kinds of projects across many of the big banks and big insurance companies and other government agencies and Intel and DOD. So, you know, it's kind of a wheelhouse. If, if you 
come to us and you say, okay, so we've had these five huge siloed data systems and they've been around for 20 years. And, you know, that the CEO said he wants to have a Netflix life experience, like experience for our customers or the CMO of our hospital system had said, you know, I want people to be able to do everything from A to Z online and check on the status of their labs and do all this stuff, you know, for a big health plan. When you used to call in, they had to jump between system to system to system, do what's called stare and compare, and they wanted to fix that. Now, those kinds of projects are very possible and take much less time. You know, I've been in a lot of meetings with, with my CEO and, and others where a customer says to us, now we understand this is a three-year project. And we're like, no, it's more like a six-month project. <laughs> and, and, you know, breaking out of that mindset is, is tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And, and folks, you're listening to this and you're probably thinking the same thing. Oh, that would take forever. Oh, it's not possible. Well, I think today is a time to change that perspective. And, and so Bill's given us some fantastic insight into the misconceptions and the possibilities. Bill, if you, if there was a plan, you know, if you could summarize like a three-step plan to, to Amazonize people's businesses or practices, what, what would those three steps be, aside from just calling you, of course? <laughs> yeah. So the first step is the strategy. I mean, the first step is to look at this new digital economy that we're in and say, you know, who do we need to be in this economy to compete and thrive? You know, to not become the 20 retail organizations that Amazon has put out of business. Mm -hmm. You know, what what do we need to do? What's the strategy? So so that's first. So first is definitely not running out and buying all the cool new tech that and then figuring out what to do with it. So that's one. And then two is to sort of get the buy-in across your organization that this is what we're going to do and what we need to do. I went to a really interesting meeting. This has to be five years ago now up in Chicago. And mm-hmm. someone from H executive from HCSC was speaking. And it was, you know, pretty small, high level executive group. There maybe were 75 people in the room. Okay. And, and he said this very interesting thing that stuck with me, which was all of you people in this room are always going to be employed because you're smart and you're, you know, what's going on and everything. But the half of you who work for companies that don't change are going to be working for the half of you that work for companies that do change. <laughs> so saying, you're all going to be fine, but some of your companies that you work at are not going to survive this shift mm. into this digital economy. So you figure out what you want to do. You get that, you get everyone on board saying, yeah, we need to do this. And then you go find the right technologies to implement that plan. So I think that's the three-step plan. And that's a heck of a statement up, too, by the way. What I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> that's a heck of a statement. You yeah, know, well, you know, because what happens... Look around, is, you're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, well, what we see <laughs> is we end up getting involved in step one and step two mm-hmm. because they haven't done all that, but they're already talking to us, which is great. And we can bring a lot of experience to the table and say, look, here's what 15 other companies around the globe your size have done. But um, if you're down that path and you say, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to build a 360 view of our patients that make this a fundamentally different experience for them when they interact with our health plan or our hospital system. And, and this is what we want it to be like. Then we can really move quickly into the POC and start putting the data. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And, and that's really the big proof point 
what you said was interesting where, you know, probably people are thinking, oh, this is impossible and, you know, this is BS and it still takes two years and, and all that kind of thing. My answer to that is always give us the data. Yeah. You know, and if it's a hundred sources of data, let's do 10 and see what we see where we're at in three weeks. Yeah. That's really where you have to go. Three weeks, by the way. That to me just shows the, the agility. I mean, you know, things take time, but do they take as long as you think they're going to take? Yeah. I mean, we have a great, I think he's a distinguished engineer now, a guy named Jason Hunter, who's been in our company for a really long time. And he always tells his folks, don't forget the UI. Even if they're saying we want to do this and we know it's going to take 18 months, show them something in three weeks. If you've got the first three sources of data ingested and harmonized and you can show it yeah. because that's what will really drive that project over that next however long it's going to take. So some organizations want to go right into the big thing, but we do a lot of those shorter POCs, proof points saying, okay, you want to bring 65 things together. Let's do five and see what that looks like real mm-hmm. fast. Love it. No, that's so great. And Bill, you mentioned a, a third, but I think I missed it. You've got to get that strategy to thrive, buy-in. Otherwise, half of you guys and gals listening are going to be working for the other half. <laughs> and then the third one is was what? It's then, then it's choosing the right technology. Choosing the right technology. Got and, it. And having those other parts baked, they're never going to be completely baked, but somewhat sure. baked will really help yeah. you choose that because one of the mistakes that can be made is there's tons and tons of COTS point solutions and there's things that just do search and there's you know Hadoop databases where you just dump data into and there's security solutions and there's mm-hmm. geospatial solutions and RDS solutions. And if some companies have gone down the road of pulling together 10 and 15 different pieces, it's probably not the best long-term thinking rather than looking for a platform that's going to be able to be resilient. If there's this regulation now, there's going to be version two of that regulation or version three of that regulation. And you're going to have to build something new each time. You're, you might pivot who you're targeting customer-wise, bringing new you know, insurance vehicles online. You know, Obviously, in healthcare, you have this massive consolidation, you know, with the CVS and it and all the other, the JPMC, Berkshire Hathaway group. So all this is, is coming down the pike. You need to think about that as you're putting together these solutions and say, how am I going to, how resilient, how agile is my, the platform that I'm building going to be for the future? Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, it's brilliant. And folks, you're probably enjoying this conversation just as much as I am. A lot of questions are coming up as, as far as how can we make this happen in our businesses? And by the way, did you know that Bill has a podcast as well? It's called Outfoxed. And so Bill, I'd love to give the, the listeners an opportunity to know where they can listen to you beyond today. Yeah. So if you go on uh, Twitter and I think it's on um, Spotify and iTunes, there's, it's at Outfoxed Podcast. And, you know, that's us, you know, me talking to business leaders, customers, experts in digital transformation, you know, about what they've really done. You know, how did they manage in their organization to get this first really important digital transformation project off the ground and done and how is it working? You know, sort of the real 
practical aspects of this is, are, are what we try to address. So they can do that. Happy to have an email at bill.fox at marklogic.com. And I'm also, uh, my Twitter feed is uh, at Fox Big Data. So I'm on there all the time, um, obviously on LinkedIn and all that too. But it's great if you want to listen to the podcast and hear some other business leaders talking about their experiences. But, uh, you know, always open to have these conversations. And that's across pretty much all industries. Thank you, Bill. And the beauty, folks, that I, that I love about Bill's podcast is that it's not just healthcare. And we've heard from many leaders in the industry, you've got to think outside of healthcare. And uh, as far as technology goes, it's a great place for you to get ideas outside of healthcare and start questioning the legacy beliefs that really have held us back for, for so long. <laughs> Getting close to the end here now, Bill, this has been impressive and, and really great. What would you say is an internet resource like Evernote that you'd recommend to the listeners? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll go a little off. Uh, I'll go a little left field with this. I'm yeah. going to say get a, get on a Pandora or podcasts or Spotify yeah. and give your brain a rest a little bit. I love it. Um, I use a lot of uh, internet resources, but I'm a big advocate of uh, making sure you have something that you can. Uh, de-stress with because I know that all the people that I work with and the executives uh, that I work with and our customers, it's really necessary. So I'm not going to recommend any productivity tools. I'll recommend a, uh, what I think could be increase your productivity through kind of making sure that you keep yourself uh, you know, sane while all this is going on. Yeah, I love it, Bill. What a what a great recommendation and a great strategy here to start implementing into the platform revolution. It's not going to change. Let's change with it. Bill, just want to say thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Saul. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you on my podcast someday. Thanks to your listeners. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 